0: All right, so um, we have been going through the latter part of the uh, book of John, and um, we're finishing up this series we've been calling The Lamb. And we started in John chapter 13. We, you know, last week was, was uh, Easter, and we talked about the resurrection. And so John has one more chapter. <laughs> and it's interesting because he, it looks like if you read the, the book that he finishes it at chapter 20, and then he thinks, like, but there's one more story. He sort of wraps it up and then he says, well, there's one more thing I want to say. And so he writes chapter 21. And so I'm gonna read the first 19 verses of that this morning. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple, Jesus loved, said to Peter, "'It's the Lord.' And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were were only about a 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread." Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. So you know a fisherman was riding this because he made sure 153 large fish. (laughs) He got the number, made sure we know they were big fish, right? So now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And, yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. and He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I'll tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you, want to, where you don't want to go. And Jesus said to them, I'm sorry, Jesus said to let him know to what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So here's the big idea this morning. Our true identity is found in our weaknesses in God's grace. Our true identity is found in our weaknesses in God's grace. So we're going to talk about three things this morning. Peter's problem, Peter's penance, and then Peter's real purpose. So just to give you a little background on this, in John chapter 20 in verses 19-20 we read this, that Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind the locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, suddenly Jesus standing, was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So Jesus comes, and this is right after the, the resurrection. He appears to them, and he says, Peace, I'm going to give you. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then the next thing we see, Peter says, let's go fishing. So Jesus sends them on this mission as he says, I'm sending you like God sent me, change the world. And at some point in time, Peter thinks it's a good idea. And isn't it interesting how sometimes maybe when we don't know what to do, we sort of revert back to the only thing we know how to do. And when God's called us to do something, there's this Human characteristic, like I'm not really sure, I know God's called us to do something. There's a lot going on with Peter we know about, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And at some point in time he goes, I do know how to fish, so let's go fishing. And so the disciples decide to go with him. And so here's Peter's problem. Peter had denied Jesus three times the night of before his death, And not only did he deny him three times, he called a curse down on him. So Peter had a problem. Peter knew that he had sinned. He knew that even though he had made these declarations that I'm not going to do anything like that, he found himself doing it. And Peter went into the crucifixion with a whole lot of confidence. He had a whole lot of confidence, but the problem was, Peter's problem, was his confidence was in the wrong thing. His identity and his confidence was in the wrong thing. So let me read a couple of scriptures to just sort of point this out. So in John chapter 13, it says, Then Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm, going to, what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. And then in Mark chapter 14, we read this. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. So we see Peter going into the crucifixion just hours before. First of all, Jesus wanting to wash his feet and said, "No, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. You don't, that you know, you don't have to wash my feet, or that would be beneath you, Jesus, to wash my feet. I don't want you to do that." And then he makes this statement: "If everyone else leaves you, not me. If everyone else leaves you, I will never leave you. I'll die for you." And so G- Peter went into the crucifixion, believing that he was probably the greatest of all the disciples. He thought he was the most faithful. He thought he was the most committed. He thought that he was Jesus' protector. Because you remember when, you know, when Jesus revealed that he was the Son of God and he began to say, I'm going to go be crucified and die. Peter said, no, you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen to you, Jesus. I think that Peter is almost thinking, I won't let that happen. And that's when Jesus had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And so Peter sort of had this superiority view of himself that that he thought that he was more righteous, more committed, more faithful to Jesus than anyone. So his confidence at this point in time was in who he was. His confidence was in that I know how much I love Jesus, and I love him more than anybody else. And I know how committed I am to Jesus, and I'm more committed than anybody else. And I'm more faithful than all these guys, and so that they may run, but I'm not going to run. They may deny him, but I won't deny him because I'm more faithful than they are. And again, his confidence was in who he was in his ability in his works. And the results of a superior view of yourself will always eventually fall. It's always going to come to a crash. And usually two things happen. One, when you find out that you're not at the top, when you're not the best, you're not at the, you know better than everybody else, one, you become very insecure. So all of a sudden, what you've built your life on, that I work harder than anybody else, I'm smarter than anybody else, I get better grades than anybody else, I'm a better Christian than anybody I know, I love the Lord more than anybody I know, I'm a better person than anybody I know, and then you find out, whoa, 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 there's somebody who's better than me. We get very insecure. And that's when like anxiety and depression and paranoia and all these things begin to kick in. The other thing is, when we find out that we're not superior, We get hostile. We begin to lash out. That's why Cain killed Abel, right? That's why Saul hated David, because Saul thought he was the best until all the ladies started singing... Saul kills his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And then he begins to get insecure, and he begins to be very hostile, and he begins throwing spears at people. And he wants to kill people, and he wants to kill David. That's why Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah, because she was at the top. She thought she was the top of all, until Elijah comes out along and kills all of her prophets of Baal. And then she says, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not the top. Maybe I'm not superior Maybe their God really is, instead of admitting that, she begins to be very violent and hostile and says, before this day's over, I'm going to kill Elijah. And we also know that's probably why the Pharisees began to hate Jesus. Because until this point in time, the Pharisees had been sort of the top of the heap when we come to the religious game. They were the one everybody looked to. They had all the answers. Everybody went to the Pharisees. When the Pharisees walked by, they said, now there's the holy people. They they know the word of God. They know God. They're the people that are at the top of the heap. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and begins to turn everything upside down. He says, you know what? They don't have it all right. And they're wrong on some things. And actually, he begins to tell stories like, this tax collector is better than this Pharisee, and this Samaritan is better than this Pharisee. And so insecurities begins to kick in, and then what happens? Hostility get, begins to kick in, and now they want to kill Jesus, right? And so Peter has to go through this from being who he thought was the most faithful disciple to this really hard time of knowing, wait a minute, I'm not. I'm just like the rest of them. And so then we come to the place where Peter's penance, his repentance, where he comes to Jesus. And and I want you to notice a few things about this. So when Peter sees, when he discovers that it's Jesus, he jumps out of the boat and he can't wait to get to him. And why is that important? Because Peter knew that he denied Christ. He knew he had failed big time. But instead of running away, you know, he could have said, guys, I'm just going to wait in the boat. And you guys go on to see Jesus. He doesn't want to see me. And I'm going to have to talk to him about this thing. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And I, well, I'll just stay out here and see if I, I'll, I'll take care of the fish. You go eat breakfast. And, and, but no, he wanted to be the first one there. You know, when, when we realize that we've done something we need to repent for, we need to be like Peter and run to Jesus. We don't need to be afraid of him. We, we don't need to avoid him. We don't, we don't need to shrink back from him. We don't need to hide behind something. We don't need to hide behind somebody else. But we just need to run to him. We need to run to him. And so Jesus brings him to this place. And it's interesting how he does this because he brings him back to a place that's very familiar. First of all, he reminds him, because you remember in Luke chapter 5, there was this story where Jesus calls Peter. And a similar story of him out fishing all night, doesn't catch anything. Jesus tells him to go out into the deep. They catch all this fish. So this reminder to Peter of who called him. And one, remember that story, what Jesus said towards the end of the story? He said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So he's reminding him, that's what I called you to. And see, just uh, I still called you to that. And then he brings him around this charcoal fire. And why is the charcoal fire important? Because it was around a charcoal fire that Peter denied him three times. And so around this fire, as Peter's probably remembered from the smell and the the feel of things is probably reminding him of that night. Yes, yeah, around a charcoal fire when I called down a curse on Jesus around charcoal fire. And, and so he also asked him three times, and we know what that's about. Reminding three times you denied me, now I'm going to ask you three times. And so Jesus is bringing him to this place where he's reminding him of his sin and. He not only was sin, but he he reminds him of that he's called him to greatness, to be a fisher of men. And he's reminding him that Peter made this big mistake. But here's the thing about it. Here's what you don't see Jesus do. Told you. Didn't I tell you he's going to deny me three times? You did it. He didn't talk to me like that. He didn't say, Peter, I am so disappointed in you. You're done, man. You're done. You might as well quit. Just keep fishing. He didn't do that either. But he very lovingly brings him to a place of repentance for his redemption and for his restoration and for his healing. And can I tell you that every time that Jesus brings us to a place of repentance, it's not to humiliate us. It's not to condemn us. It's not to make us feel bad about ourselves, but it's to bring us to a place where we can be healed and restored back to the original thing that God's called us to do. And God had called Peter to be a fisher of men. Jesus had called him out of fishing to be a fisher of men. And now when Peter's tempted to go back to fishing, probably because he may even be thinking, you know that call to go into the world? That was for everybody but me. I felt so bad. But Jesus brings him back to this place of repentance. And we should, we should do the same thing. We should always run to Jesus when we realize, when we feel that gnawing that we've done something we know that displeased the Lord. Instead of running from him, let's run to him, right? And then finally, Peter's real purpose and identity. So three times, Jesus tells him this, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, then feed my sheep. And I want to just read something to you. Read something again to you. So it says after breakfast Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon son of John do you love me more than these? Now I want to tell you for a long time when I read that I thought he was saying this. Do you love me more than you love them? But as I read that what he's saying is do you love me more than they love me? Do you love me more than them? Because beforehand he would say yeah, I love you more than they do. And then he begins to just respond like, you know I love you. And it doesn't go into some big discourse about, yeah, man, you know I love you more than John. You know I love you more than these guys. Because he knows at this point in time. It's just, Lord, I love you. And every time he begins to say, do you love me? He doesn't try to make excuses. You know, he could have said, you know, Jesus, I know what you're talking about, but But let me just tell you, that night, I I was off my game a little bit. I wasn't feeling well. Smoke got my eyes. Um, You know, whatever. I stepped in a hole. Something happened. But, you know, some excuse. But he doesn't do that either. So Jesus is not, like, twisting the knife. But at the same time, Peter's just saying, I'm I'm just real before you, Jesus. You know. And when he says, you know everything, I think what he's saying is, you know everything I did. And I'm not going to try to make excuses. I'm not going to try to come up with some story. All I'm going to do is just say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. And so Jesus begins to say, if you love me, basically, take care of my sheep. And in Matthew chapter 25, we know Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. And so what Jesus is saying to Peter is this. If you love me, you say you love me. If you do, then take care of my sheep. You say you love me, take care of my lambs. Because when you're loving them, you're loving me. And when you are sacrificing yourself to give to them, you're giving to me. So it's not about you having this opinion of yourself that makes you feel important or makes you feel superior. But it's about you're loving me when you love people. And when you're loving my sheep and when you're loving my lambs, you're loving me. What he's saying in a sense is, Peter, I know you've done some good things. I know you've done some really bad things. At the end of the day, Peter, it's not even really about you. I've called you. I've called you to love people. I've called you to take care of my sheep. I've called you to take care of my lamb. I've called you to to be a fisherman of men. I've called you to be an evangelist. I've called you to be a leader of the church. I've called you out of all those things to do those things. And he says, I also want you to walk in the ministry I've called you to. So don't give up on that, Peter, just because you made some bad mistakes. Don't give up on that. I called you into something. And I want you to go back to the original thing I called you to, and that's who I want you to be. And Jesus is saying very loud and clear, I've forgiven you. And I think Peter begins to get an understanding of grace. Yes, I have failed. I have failed. But because I'm willing to repent, Jesus is forgiving me. And Jesus has not given up on me. Can I just maybe say something here real quick? If someone's in the room right now and you think, man, I've had to, Jesus has, I'm sure Jesus has given up on me. I've messed up so many times. One time in my life, I thought Jesus was wanting me to do something, but I've given up on that now because I've messed up, and I know that Jesus will will not use me now. I want you to know that Jesus is still calling you. And if we come to him like Peter did and say, Jesus, I messed up. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to try to tell some story. I'm not going to hide from this anymore. I'm just going to come to you and say, Jesus, I've, I've messed up, but I love you and we mean it with our heart, Jesus is right there to say, okay, let's get back on, let's get back on mission. Let's start feeding the sheep, man. Get, back to, get out of the boat, quit fishing, and start feeding the sheep again. Let's start taking care of the lambs again. That's what I've called you to. And so Jesus calls him to that. And so his real identity would no longer be as the person who was Jesus' protector and the most faithful of the disciples. That would not be who he was anymore. But in his real purpose, one, he was called to glorify Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus tells him how he says, this is the death you're going to die that will bring glory to me. It's what Jesus is saying to Peter in this moment is, from now on, your mission is to bring glory to my name. Even in your death, you're going to bring glory to me. Even in your death, you'll bring glory to me. And do you know that's all of our mission today? That's all of our purposes here today, is to bring glory to Jesus in our life, In our dying, and everything that we do, we are all called to bring glory to Jesus. God's calling you right now. God's calling us right now to bring glory to him. The second thing was he was going to be a forgiven follower of Jesus, not the greatest and the most faithful anymore. Because really it's in our weakness that connects us to God. And only in identifying in our weaknesses and lack of significance can we really experience God's strength so when we admit to ourselves that we're not we're not all that we admit to ourselves that I can't do it in my own that my identity is not wrapped up in what I do Because it's not my strength that's ever going to get me to to the Father. It's not my strength that's ever going to make me holy. It's not my strength that's ever going to get me over my addiction. It's not my strength that's ever going to get me over my besetting sin. It's not my strength that's going to make me a better person. It's not my strength that's going to make me the man or woman of God that God's called me to be. It's not my strength that's ever going to do that. It's my weakness submitted to him and the grace of Jesus that comes into our life. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. Jesus responded to him, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, again, Peter's confidence before the resurrection was in his, in his strength, what he perceived to be his strength. I'm more committed. I'm more faithful. I'm the one who's going to take care of Jesus. I'm the one who's not going to ever fall away. Everybody else will fall away, not me. And then he realizes, no, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. But when he comes to Jesus in weakness then the strength of God begins to really flow through Peter. And we know that Peter then, the story of Peter, he's the one who, who, who has the first miracle as they're going in the temple. He's the one that says, silver and gold have I none. Get up and walk. And a man walks. We know that he's the one who preaches the sermon on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people are saved after the Holy Spirit fills him. So after he comes to Jesus and admits that he's not superior, after he comes to Jesus he says, I'm not the most faithful I just love you. I just love you. Yeah. And I want you to work through my weakness and I want you to work through me and your strength. Then be, Peter becomes very significant. And then Jesus says, Would you just focus on caring for others? Just focus on caring. Every time he says, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, take care of my lambs. He's saying, just focus on other. See, it's not about taking care of you, Peter. It's not about you rising to some level of significance because as you focus on other people, I'll promote you. If your heart's really about feeding my sheep, I'll promote you. And we see that through Peter's life that he does this, and God does this for him. So, this is where we will find our identity and our security and our significance. One, caring for the sheep. <laughs> God's calling us to care for the sheep. Who are the sheep? Each other, the people God brings into our life, those little lambs that God brings into our life. God's called all of us to take care of them, to love on them and feed them. And feeding means teaching them, discipling them, helping them grow, protecting them, watching over them. And Jesus talks about being the good shepherd and how to lay down his life for his sheep. And, and so we need to be the same way. God's calling us to lay down our life for each other, to protect each other, to care for each other. And that's where we really begin to find who we are. Secondly, walking in our calling. Whatever God's called you to do. And again, if you have given up on that because you feel like that you've messed up too much, Man, just come back to Jesus this morning. Sit around a charcoal fire with him for a minute, just in the spirit, and just say, I hear you, Jesus, and I love you. And I'm recommitting myself to loving you, and I'm going to be who you want me to be. Third, glorifying Jesus. Making our mission every day, every single day, to glorify Jesus in whatever we do. You know, if if we go about our day thinking, okay, how can I glorify Jesus on my way to work this morning? When I get to work, how can I glorify Jesus? When I go out to eat this afternoon, how can I glorify Jesus? When I get home, how can I glorify Jesus? If we make that our mission, God will use us. God will do things for us, through us. And then finally, our real identity, our our purpose is to walk in the grace of God. And here's what I mean by that. Understanding that it's not by my strength, it's not by my might, it's not by my willpower, it's not by my intelligence. It's, God has given you guys a lot of great gifts. There's some very smart people in the room. There's very uh, people with a lot of problem-solving skills, a lot of people here that can do some really w- amazing things. But when we come to Jesus and say, you know, I, I can't do it all on my ability. I can't really do what you're calling me to do on my own ability. I see the gifts you've given me, God, but my best gifts are weaknesses compared to your strength. My best righteousness is filthy rags compared to yours. But if we can understand that, but walk in the grace of Jesus, knowing that he's forgiven us. And grace doesn't only mean forgiveness, it means supernatural empowerment to do things. And that's what Jesus gave Peter when he came to him and repented. And so the good news today is that, again, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, today, today, Jesus is saying, Do you love me? Do you love me? If you do, feed my sheep. Do you love me? If you do, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. It's the same call to us today. Amen. Would you stand with me?